scores! Gilmore scores! With all three left. Off the glass, to left corner to Aguila. Aguila with a left circle. Passing to Yellow. Shot. Save made by Aguila. Three bounce. Another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk. Starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. All right, another day begins. It is Wednesday, January 17th, and this hour of Flames Talk with Steinberg and Aaron Vickers of NHL.com is underway. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Vicks. How are you doing, buddy? You stay warm? I even walked into that. Uh, Today was... Warm enough that I was just, you know, minus 35. I'm not walking in. Minus 17. I got no problem with that. That's Did you strut? Play. I feel like you're a strutter. No, there's too much snow on the ground. Fair enough. I don't want too you to slip. We don't need you day to day. Um, good on Dan Vladar Tuesday night. That was a that was a really strong performance filling in for Jacob Markstrom. And and I don't think there's any question a healthy Markstrom gets that game. I, I think they would have gone to Jacob if he was ready to go to big game in the playoff fight. I, I think that would have been a Jacob Markstrom game had he been healthy, but obviously that wasn't in the cards, minor lower body injury. And so they go to Dan Vladar, Dustin Wolf backs him up, and I thought he was great. And I thought it was a huge part of a game the Flames kind of stole. I did not love Calgary for a vast majority of that hockey game. That was a night where I think they got away with one, and Dan Vladar was a big reason why. Even though there were only 25 shots, you know, a, a vast majority of those 25 shots were at worst medium danger. Uh, and when it was all said and done, Coyotes had a big edge in high dangers, big edge in, in medium dangers, big edge in shot attempts. I thought. If, if Vladar isn't as sharp as he is, especially in the first 45, 50 minutes of that game, I, I don't think the Flames find a way to pull that one out of the fire because if that's, if that's two or three nothing after 40 minutes of play, completely different hockey game. So good on Dan Vladar. He played really well. And, and that's, uh, you know, we, we talked about it on Tuesday on the round table and we all kind of talked about it. Felt like how maybe his game had been trending in a positive direction other than that Chicago game. Well, the Chicago game, not so good, but the game that he bounces back with in his first start since the Chicago loss, I thought he looked really, really good. Yeah, and what did he face? Three breakaways in that game, two against Logan Cooley, one of them in overtime that if he doesn't stop, Sharon Govich doesn't get to play the hero in that one. Yeah, so. two, two big Cooley stops didn't he have in overtime. Uh, he robbed him twice, or, or Cooley had two great opportunities yeah. anyway. Yeah, and so Dan Vladar stood tall, and it's kind of funny to say when you're six foot six, six foot seven, stood tall. But absolutely everything that we wondered about Dan Vladar on the roundtable or in conversation on Tuesday, well, he kind of just offered up a, "Hey, don't forget about me." And I know there's a lot of excitement in this town about Dustin Wolf, but I'm still a goalie on this roster, and if you put me in, I'm going to do my darndest to give my team a chance to win. And you're right, that was a a tough slog, not only for the Calgary Flames, I would say. I would say that the Arizona Coyotes were were in the thick of it as well, but they were the better team through 45-ish, 50-ish minutes. And Dan Vladar really kind of held the fort, as you mentioned, to give the Calgary Flames a chance to rally, put them in a position to rally, yeah. keep them close. I know it was one nothing for the majority of that game, and then it was Cooley, was it not, that scored the second goal for the Arizona Coyotes. And as soon as that second goal went in, it was almost like a flip switched on the bench. It's like, oh, okay, he can only hold this for so long. It's time to hold our end of the deal up. And lo and behold, a couple quick goals. And then, again, Vladar, big saves in overtime. Sets the table for Sharon Govich's OT winner. Yeah, of all the, uh, of all the comeback wins this year, I think that was the one that was uh, least on my bingo card, especially after Cooley made it 2-0. Yeah, I, I thought that thought, was curtains. I did too. I just, the way, the, the lack of energy the Flames had for the first 45, 50 minutes or so, and the way Ingram was playing, even though Ingram wasn't getting like these 10 bell chances. He just looked very, very confident. Uh, the way the Coyotes were playing and their structure, I thought curtains as well. I was like, yep, that's, they just don't have it tonight. Um, and then Coleman scores that goal. Of course, it's of like, course. better call Saul. It's Roar. better call Blake uh, because that, that, that goal that he scores completely turns the game on its side. Like the one mistake that Arizona made in the third period to that point. 
ends up in the back of their net. And then 63 seconds later, uh, Pospisil makes a great play to Kadri, and it's and it's 2-2. And you're like, geez, all that hard work the Coyotes did all for nothing. I'm like, done. That's a it's a hard it's 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 kind of fun i would imagine if you're a flames fan it's fun to see your team break hearts once in a while because that was a straight <laughs> up heartbreaker for the coyotes they played well enough to win that game and the flames absolutely kicked him in the gut so nice to be the gut kicker as opposed to the gut kicky sometimes and the flames were absolutely that and again just back to dan Fladar, I, yeah. I thought he was i thought he was you know and and it's tough those those games so if you're on a, if 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 you care about these things I, I have the uh, the privilege of, of a lot of times in home games choosing the three stars. And the three stars are hard to choose in those overtime games because it's a close game and you have to get them in before the overtime period right. starts. You can't, you, they have to be prepared. So I've got to come up with uh, a choice as to, you know, which way. So you're like, okay, how do you go with this one? And, you know, you're always thinking like, okay, well, you need to get at least a, a player from the other team in an overtime game. And and Sean Dursey was great. Thought, had he had fantastic. a great game. I thought Kadri was the best player on the ice. So I was like, geez, which way do I go? Do I go Kadri? Do I go? Do I go Vladar? Because I really, it was either Vladar or the overtime winner. But I thought, you know, the way this game is gone, and if they win an overtime, it'll ignite this building. So I'll go overtime winner is the third star. Um, and then I had Vladar, if Kadri scored the overtime winner, <laughs> I had Vladar as the, it was just, but he, he, he could very well have been one of the three stars and, and he was one of the best players for the flames. And one of the biggest reasons they won that hockey game. I'm going to throw a very small sample size theory at you and sure. you absorb it. Okay. You know you what? Before you do, before you do. Let me play this clip because okay. I think it's going to play right in. Let me see if I, Let's find out. I'm on the wavelength. This was Vladar. He spoke to us after an optional practice on Wednesday morning. Not a lot of guys out there. Vladar didn't skate, but he did come in and uh, do an activation, probably did some video. Here's Dan Vladar on Wednesday morning. It was a slow game, especially the first half, and then, you know, one goal, and then, uh, you know, uh, I, was, I, was, I was happy that, you know, Cozy, cozy, got us going, and you know, it turned out to be a really good night for us and fun. How different is it, Dan, when you when you guys start that you're not necessarily prepping for all day, or like you've had a couple of really great games where you didn't know you were going in until kind of last minute? How different is that? Oh, well, sometimes it just makes your life a little bit easier. That you know, you just kind of you just kind of take it as it is, and uh, you know, you do you don't need you don't have time to think, right? You just go and play. So uh, obviously it's nice to have, to know to know uh, your schedule, but at the same time, you know when stuff like that happens, you just just gotta be there and do your best to help the team. Is that the sample size <laughs> you were talking about? The sample size of when he doesn't have a lot of time to prepare, how he plays. Yeah, you. Uh, that was not scripted. That was not planned. And Pat Steinberg is an absolute genius to pull that out. Cut me off, play the clip, and circle back because 100% that's where I was going. And you look at it, and you have the sample size of the Arizona game. But think back to November 27th when Jacob Markstrom couldn't go because he had the flu. Dan Vladar gets thrown into the starters net against the Vegas Golden Knights, the defending Stanley Cup champions. I think they were on a massive heater at that point. I can't remember exactly the situation, but they were, if not tops in the Pacific Division, they were top two. And Vladar comes in and stops 27 of 28 in what was probably his best start of the season to that point. So again, not a great sample size, but you do wonder a little bit if there's the, you don't have time to overthink, you don't have time to overprep, just go in there and feel the game. And I don't know necessarily when Dan Vladar knew exactly when he'd be starting against the Arizona Coyotes, but just that thought of, okay, well, guess what, Dan? We're, we've got to pivot. This would have been a Jacob Markstrom start. Clearly he can't go. You're going, lo and behold, one of his finer starts this season. And he talked about it. It's kind of nice. You don't yeah. have to think about it. You just jump right in. Maybe they should do that. Maybe they should just never Surprise start him all the time. Yeah. Hey, Dan, you're going tonight. It's uh, it's four hours before the game. <laughs> yep, you're in tonight. Enjoy. I mean, that's how what it was with Vegas, was yeah, it not? Because absolutely. it was day of. Mar Markstrom was in the building, yeah. tried to work out. He's like, I can't go, and left. And it was that's why they had to do the... The e-bug because yep. they didn't have enough time, or they were past, they're past the, the five p.m. deadline, deadline to yeah. recall somebody. Well, Dustin, Dustin Wolf, Wolf from the uh, from the Wranglers, yeah. So that's why it was an e-bug. So you're buying day. the theory then, because you heard it from him. Well, it's kind of hard not to exactly too. So just now, I just don't tell him when he's starting. Um, doesn't and and he's earned another start, yeah, right? Hundred like percent. If 
Because it doesn't look like Jacob Markstrom will be good to go for Thursday. He did practice on his own prior to the optional practice with Jason LaBarber, the goalie coach, on Wednesday. But, you know, I think all along this was kind of like, yeah, short term, but, you know, maybe a couple of games, see if he's ready for Saturday. Um, so it doesn't feel like Jacob's going to go Thursday. Obviously things can change, but if Jacob isn't good to go against the Maple Leafs, you, you're going right back to Vladar. I know I certainly am. Yeah, I wouldn't hesitate. For a split second that you go right back to Vladar. You ride the hot hand, and again, you want to talk about sample sizes. It's one good start, but you get on a roll by putting good start after good start after good start together. And from my perspective, there's no reason to suggest that Vladar didn't earn that second start. Now, if he comes in and he allows four on 32, maybe you make the pivot and you go Dustin Wolf. But a guy that, you know, kept your, kept your team in the game. For that period of time, for the 50 minutes it took the Calgary Flames to ignite the offense, was clutch in overtime. Yeah, he didn't do anything to steer that next start over to Dustin Wolf in my mind. Yeah, I, I thought he played really well. Um, and I know that might piss some people off who really want to see Dustin yep. Wolf. If, if you're like, geez, well... Yeah, okay, you went to Vladar against Arizona, but if Markstrom's not ready to go on Thursday, what if what if he's only missing two games? You got to get Wolf in there, and and I understand it from um, a rooting perspective and and how much you want to see this guy. But the Flames right now are in a situation where they're trying to win hockey games. They're trying to get themselves into a playoff spot, and the way Vladar played against Arizona in a situation where there's not with, with Markstrom on the shelf, however short-term it might be right now, this instant, there's no number one. And so when there's no number one, you go with the guy that just gave you a great chance two yeah. nights prior. That's Vladar. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to, if, if it's me, I have, I have no idea what the flames are going to do. Dan didn't skate uh, at practice. So it would lead you to believe he's going to get the start Wednesday. Uh, sorry, on Thursday, but yeah, if it were me, I'm going right back to Vladar if Jacob's not ready. And and I know people want to see Dustin Wolf, but I think you can make a very easy argument that right now for the game on January 18th, Dan Vladar is going to give you the best chance to win, and the Flames are in the business of icing the lineup that's going to give them the best chance to win. The only argument you can make in favor of Dustin Wolf is that emotional one, is the one we want to see our shiny toy get time between the pipes and we want to get him in NHL reps and such. But the logical decision in my mind is Dan Vladar. And you don't need to look back further than 24 hours to come to the conclusion as to why that's the case. Yep. Um, so we'll see. We'll see which way they end up going. Um, but I would imagine that uh, the Maple Leafs are are uh, the a team that they'll go Vladar against, and that's a no knock on the Coyotes who played a hell of a game, yeah. and they kind of you know they shot themselves in the foot with the too many men, and uh, they probably took too many penalties. But you know the Maple Leafs different offense than the Coyotes. I will say that much. And goodness gracious. The Toronto Maple Leafs, after the last two losses, they've put on the board. Up 3-0 at home to Colorado. 1-2-3-4-5-5-3 loss. Up 2-0 in a pretty decent spot on the road against the Oilers, looking to snap their win streak. 1-2-3-4, game over, and uh, it's a 4-2 loss. Like That's that's two potential like signature quality wins for the Maple Leafs that they coughed up. And now there's all this stuff swirling, more stuff swirling about Sheldon Keefe and how poor this guy is, uh, this team is defensively, and you know how much this Leafs team just doesn't have it. They are going to be a ornery bunch on Thursday night against the Dome. So if I'm Dan Vladar, I'm gearing up for a, uh, a, a bit of a test against that blue and white team. Yeah, that one to me is going to be a Dan Vladar. Just hold the fort for the first 10 minutes or so. Because you have to think that the likes of Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, John Tavares, so on and so forth, are just going to be gunning and trying to put to bed this recent narrative of not being able to put away games. They're going to try and put this game on ice in the first period. And you know what? They've had a lot of success over the last little bit here of jumping out to those big leads and not being able to ice them. So as you mentioned, ornery is a great word to describe what the Toronto Maple Leafs should be feeling right now. And the Calgary Flames need to be a little bit aware of that. Otherwise, they're going to end up on the wrong end of a angry bunch. You uh, you wonder if, if Jacob is ready to rock against Edmonton. That's also going to be an interesting uh, scenario. Because 
we've heard them talk about arrested Jacob Markstrom. Yep. Well, he'll be rested for Saturday. He hasn't, um, like, you're, you're talking about a guy who hasn't faced the Oilers on home ice since December of 2022. Um, that's, yeah, that's right. December of, the Oilers did not visit the Saddledome for the entire calendar year of 2023, 2023. at least from a regular season perspective. Yes, I, I, I understand that they played a preseason game here in 2023, but the um, Edmonton Oilers in their full form in a game that means something have not played here since the calendar year of 2022, which is bonkers. Uh, so Markstrom against Edmonton would definitely be an interesting story. We got lots of time uh, to get there. A few texts at 960 960. Um, this reads, uh, Flames really need to trade a goaltender to another team to take advantage of the current market. I think that they are still looking at doing that. Definitely the way Vladar has played more often than not uh, gives uh, more of an opportunity to capitalize or, or to get good value if that's the goalie that you decide to move. I know there's a lot of talk about moving Jacob Markstrom. I don't think that is realistic. Um, but Vladar sitting 7-5-2. and two. Uh, his save percentage didn't move, so it's still not a, a sexy-looking save percentage right now, but he is much better over his last seven or eight starts. Uh, this right, uh, this reads, uh, you guys are right, no doubt Vladar earned another start. Um, and this says another interesting scenario is I wonder if Brad and Craig happen to get together for dinner or possibly a lunch. That would be Brad Treliving and Craig Conroy that uh, that text is talking about um, because we have heard the Maple Leafs are a team that is interested in a goaltender. We'll see. And or we'll see how that plays out. And or defense. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know of Craig Conroy or Brad Treliving's lunch and or dinner plans. I am not privy to that. I could give them some great restaurant recommendations if they'd like, but I don't know what their what their dinner plans are. Uh, it's Pat and Vickers underway this hour on Flames Talk, and you know another interesting roster conversation has now popped up for the Flames because they have Walker Dewar on waivers on this Wednesday afternoon uh, after a first half of the season where he's really struggled to yes. be that effective press player that he was for his NHL time last season. We're going to talk more about Walker himself on the Daily Flames roundtable in a few minutes, but it just it is not come together for a guy that I think to a to a person, fan or or pundit observer, media person, I think we all had Walker Dewar penciled in as an everyday top 12 forward this year and he was to start the year, but it's it's really dropped off, and, and he's had a hard time getting into the lineup. I know that is a tough spot to be in, but he's had a tough time of being effective when he's in the lineup, and now a little more than halfway through the season, he's on waivers. Um, I don't know whether or not he'll clear. I think there's a chance somebody might look at him and claim him. We'll see. He's a, a unique player with a right shot, so I, I, I don't think it's out of the question that a team might uh, take a long look at him on the waiver wire. I do think another forward's coming up, though. It just feels like that's the way it's trending. Uh, they've placed Dennis Gilbert on IR, which is feels like a flexibility move because Dennis is close, uh, and and so by putting him on IR on retroactively, Wednesday, yeah. retroactively, like he's already served or or sat out the requisite amount right. of games or days that would mean that so he's he can be activated. As early as Thursday, he could still play Thursday against Toronto if that's the flame, the way the Flames want to go. But what this does is frees up a roster spot. So they were at 23. Doer on waivers doesn't clear until noon on Thursday, which means if they did want to recall a forward, which I think is is the is 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 what's coming. If they did want to recall a forward, they couldn't do it until after Doer cleared or was claimed. And thus, if they wanted to play said forward on Thursday versus the Maple Leafs, that forward couldn't take morning skate. Right. And then you're like, do we really want to throw that player in? So by putting Gilbert on IR, it frees up a roster spot temporarily. Uh, so they do have some flexibility. We'll see. But it feels like that's the direction they're going. And honestly, with the way the fourth line is going, you you tip me off to this to go pull, pull this clip from Tuesday morning. This was uh, so Willsy asked Derek Wills asked head coach Ryan Huska in his pregame media availability on Tuesday about the fourth line and what he wants the identity of that fourth line to be because right now they don't really have one. 
This is head coach Ryan Huska. You always want your fourth line to be a line that you trust when they're on their, on the ice. They're not on for chances against, and they're more specifically not on for goals against. That's one important thing. So if you flip that around, you want them to be a line that sets up the other line. So that means they're going to be hard guys to play against. They're going to play in the offensive zone, and they're going to create a lot of turnovers, force a lot of mistakes on opposing defensemen. So the fourth line has really struggled to find yes. an identity. Dewar's struggles, Dubay's struggles, Rzichka's struggles. And honestly, A.J. Greer is, has fallen off a little bit here over the last couple of weeks, and it's it's been tough for that fourth line right now. And, and this is not the way the Flames want it. Right now, that, that fourth line is kind of the, the 2007 fourth line in that it's right now going out there just so that the other three lines, they need some rest. I mean, right now they're not routinely going out and winning battles. Right now they're not routinely going out and winning the possession game. They're not setting up the the next line. Right now it's a three-line team, which is good. That's better than it was. But, you know, the strength of this team is being able to roll four or use four, and that's not something that they have been able to do on a regular basis. So, this fourth line needs a new identity and I think needs a shot in the arm, which is why I think a, a, a recall could very much be in the cards here. Yeah, I fully agree. I don't think you just go and make this move for the sake of making it and just seeing whether or not Walker Dewar clears or gets claimed. And to me, of the four you mentioned, he's been the fourth most effective player that's rotated through that fourth line. And from an asset standpoint, I think he ranks fourth in terms of that as well, that element as well. And you just go and you quickly look through time on ice per game. Walker Dewar's last on the team at 710. Dylan Dubé's next at 856. Adam Rzichka, 858. AJ Greer, 907. They're not giving the Calgary Flames the quality minutes required that you need out of your fourth line. And you just have to go back and listen to that clip from Ryan Huska, piece that together with the fact that Walker Dewar's on waivers. Yep. And then you go, maybe they're trying to bring somebody up to help bolster that fourth line to give it that identity, to give it some jump, to give it some speed, to give it some spend more time in the offensive zone than you do the defensive zone so that not only are you giving the other three lines a 45-second rest, but you're setting the table for them. You're providing energy. You're providing momentum because the fourth line really hasn't done that this year. And specifically to Walker Dewar, I didn't see this coming out of him back in September, to be perfectly honest, because he had just finished a season where he had seven goals in 27 games in spot duty. That's a 21-goal pace over an 82-game schedule. Here he is 19 games in, one goal. And so if you're the Calgary Flames and you finally got your top three lines rolling the way that you like and you have this fourth line that isn't clicking, you've got to switch up the personnel, whether it be calling somebody up from the minors, shaking up the rotation of who you have there. You're not going to touch the top three lines. So really your only option is either rotating Walker Dewar through, which hasn't proven to be successful to this point, or calling somebody up from the Wranglers and seeing if they can inject life. Um, so some, and I, I think I think a recall is the way to go. I think it. it I, I think that's the way they're going to go. Um, here's I, some interesting options they could go with. Um, I think of four. First of all, Pelche and, and Rooney aren't ready, so. Right, it's they not haven't even played that. an AHL game exactly. this season. Exactly, so it's not going to be one of those two. I, I know there's like, oh, it's Pelche. No, Pelche's not ready, and the Pelche's been practicing with the American League team, but uh, and and Rooney's been practicing with the Wranglers, but there's they're, they're not ready yet. They haven't even gotten into games in the AHL yet. Um, so taking them out of the equation, I think of Adam Klapka, I think of Clark Bishop, I think of Matt Coronado and I think of Cole Schwint. Those are those are four names that that intrigue me. The one that intrigues me the most, the one that I'd be all over and that I think would give you exactly what you're looking for, an identity and a new identity on the fourth line is Klapka. First of all, Dewar's a right shot, Klapka's a right shot, so that instantly fits. Um I think Klapka would be an awesome fit and an awesome um, thing to look at. Right shot, right wing, physicality, not afraid to use his big frame. He's not like a big-time fighter, but he has no qualms using his hulking figure. He instantly is the most imposing player on the team. And just think, if they were to go Klapka, Klapka on the right, Greer on the left, and and Rizicka Dubé in the middle for the time being, Like that, that all of a sudden is a number four line, especially with who you've got on the flanks. 
that there's a little bit of a different identity. And now it's like, okay, for their nine, eight, nine, ten minutes a night, they're going to go out and pound you into the end boards. If you're a third pairing D, watch out because Klapka is not easing up like a preseason game. So um, Klapka, I really like the idea of. Uh, Bishop's interesting to me. Uh, They really like his two-way game. They really like... I I think they like the fact that he could translate well to a 4C role in the NHL. I don't... Like, Ruzichka, Dubé, are they fit for a 4C role in the NHL? I don't think so. I think Bishop's skill set and the way he plays fits being a number four center. Same potentially with Schwint. I don't think it's going to be Coronado. Right. As much as as much as I know fans would be clamoring for that, but I think that on the Coronado front, they want him to be playing high leverage minutes in the American League or high leverage minutes in the NHL. Top nine in the NHL or keep shooting the lights out in the American League. Coronado's not a fourth line guy. I don't think that it makes a lot of sense to call him up and put him on the fourth line. You're not messing with your first three lines. Huberdeau's likely back. He skated on Wednesday after missing Tuesday with illness. So your your top three lines are set. There's no room for Coronado in the top nine as it stands right now. He's not a fourth line guy. Let him keep scoring at a point per game plus pace in the American League. So I don't think it's going to be him as much as I know people will be clamoring about it. But boy, Bishop from a center ice perspective, Schwint from a center ice perspective. But if you're looking just straight up, right shot, right wing, instantly insert into the lineup on the proper hand on the right wing, Adam Klapka intrigues the hell out of me if they were to do that. I'm glad you ran through the Coronado stuff so I don't have to bring that up. It was one of my things when I saw the mention of of Matt Coronado. I'm like, well, if this was a top nine role they were trying to fill, I could see the situation, but I don't think you necessarily want him on the fourth line role. So the names that I looked at, were Schwint and Klapka, maybe a Ben Jones type, but I don't know enough necessarily about how his game would translate there. I haven't seen enough of them with the Wranglers this season. But so the ones I would zone in on are Adam Klapka and Cole Schwint. And Klapka would be interesting from just the perspective of he would be the third player from Penticton Young Stars tournament to play games this year, would he not? Klapka, Coronado, Kuznetsov, and he'd be the fifth prospect to get time with both the Wranglers and the Flames with that trio, and you add in Zeri, Pospisil, Slovyov. So actually, that's six, pardon me. Math has never been a strong suit, never will be. But to go back to your Klapka thought, yeah, he definitely would give that line a different dimension, a different look, and I would just direct him, get in on the forecheck, get your legs moving, disrupt the defense, make them a little bit nervous, see if you can create some turnovers, and that's how that fourth line is going to generate offense. It's being a thorn in the side of the defenders on the other side. It's getting in on checks. It's clogging up the neutral zone. It's basically just using those raw skills, the speed, the strength, the positioning to frustrate the opponent. And by doing that, that can give that line the identity it needs to quote unquote, set the table for the other three. Yep. Hey, I, I, it just, it makes sense if they were to do it. They've got the flexibility to be able to do it and get that player in for morning skate. We'll see. We'll see what they end up doing, but I I, I like the idea of it. I mean, you got to do so. Even with Dewar on waivers, whether he's claimed or or he clears, even knowing that, Rizichka Greer Dubé as a fourth line hasn't right. been, um, that, that hasn't been a good mix either. I think you need another forward in there to give it uh, a shot in the arm. And this might be another conversation for a different day, but the sheer fact that if and when you recall somebody from the Wranglers, you're not recalling them necessarily. You're not doing this move to have them sit in the press box. You're doing this to have them in your lineup. So if you're a Ruzichka or a Dubé, not only is this player potentially taking Walker Dewar's spot, but if he's going right into the lineup, somebody's got to come out as well, which will be another interesting wrinkle to keep tabs on. It is Steinberg and Vickers along with you this hour on Flames Talk. Uh, this says uh, this is good for Dewar. Gives him the opportunity to rediscover his game and get some play time. Or if he's picked up, it's a fresh start. Hope they keep him. But either way, he needs this. Um, this says uh, Klapka has size, some skill. He's been put in an odd situation with the Wranglers. He's somewhere in the middle lines on the lines he's on. He often ends up standing still. If he can ramp it up intensity-wise by playing 8-12, to 12, then good. Um, this says go Pospisil to the fourth line, Coronado with Zeri and Kadri. I, that, that's, what, has, what has, I was just about to call him Vasic Pospisil. Uh, what <laughs> has Martin Pospisil done to earn a demotion? You know what he's done? 
he has just done more to cement himself on the cadre line with Zeri. That's what he's done. I hear he had a really good pass on Tuesday night. He did. Good belief in play. Uh, hey, if you enjoy skating and like to make a difference, then sign up for the Great Skate. This eight-hour team skating event is in support of In From The Cold and is happening on Sunday, January 28th at the Olympic Oval. The Great Skate is open to anyone 12 years and older. All you need is skates and a helmet. This is a fun way to spend time with your family and friends while helping raise money for families experiencing homelessness. For more information and to register for this awesome event, the website greatskate.ca. One more time, Register at thegreatskate.ca. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time for a Wednesday edition of your Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Save thousands on the 2023 GLB 250, GLC 300 Coupe, C300, or the GLC 300. Zero down and a 2% loyalty lease rate reduction. Steinberg, Aaron Vickers, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, to complete our Daily Flames roundtable on this Wednesday. And you know, just kind of continuing on from our conversation earlier this hour, we didn't get really... Uh, uh, too deep into the Walker Dewar side of the conversation, talking more about Flames were to recall somebody, and it feels like they are going to recall a forward here. If they were to do that, who would you go with? But let's get a little bit deeper into the Walker Dewar chat instead. Um, and and guys, Walker Dewar looked like uh, Vix and I touched on it a little earlier, and and really briefly, Wilsey, like going into the season, I think everybody like to a person was, yeah, Walker Dewar. He's in your top 12. He's in the lineup. He's your he's your number four right wing. Maybe can be elevated up the lineup. Like, there was no question about that going into the season. And now here we are, a little bit past the mass, a little bit past the halfway mark, and he's on waivers. It's, uh, it, it, it's a real head-scratcher as to why this has taken as big a step back as it has. It sure is, and I definitely wasn't expecting it. Uh, I thought there was a better chance that Walker Dewar, with the way that he played at the end of last season, would push for a spot in the top nine than be put on waivers or even fall out of the lineup on a regular basis. But he just hasn't looked like the same player this season. And when the Flames signed him to a two-year extension at 825000 per, I thought, well, that's a great deal for a guy who I think you can pen in as your fourth line right winger and who might have even more upside than that. I mean, the guy had seven goals and 11 points in his first 27 games last season, right? And he's only played in 28 games prior to this year. So we got a pretty good sample size with him playing more than a quarter of last season and you know, fitting right in and certainly producing more than you would expect from a guy uh, just getting his feet wet in this league and, and playing in a fourth line role. So I expected him to take another step forward this season, but he's taken a massive step back. And if you're not scoring goals and producing points, what are you doing to help the team win? He's not scoring goals. He's got one goal in 19 games. He's not producing points. He's got four points in 19 games. So what are you doing to help the team win? And when you're playing in a fourth line role, there are things you can do to help the team win when you're not scoring goals and producing points, but he has not done them on even close to a consistent basis this season. And I think for him, it's about keeping his game simple, being a north-south player, uh, playing in straight lines, using his size and his speed to get in on the forecheck, bang and crash. And uh, as I asked Ryan Huska the other day, what kind of identity do you want from your fourth line? And to paraphrase, he basically said that uh, he wanted them to do those things and to set the table for the other three lines. And earlier in the season, I thought the fourth line was doing a really good job of that. Of late, uh, I would say that they haven't been. And Walker Dewar, when he's been in, uh, hasn't done a great job of that. I actually thought he did some good things in Tuesday night's game, but clearly not enough good things for the Flames to give him uh, a little bit longer leash here. So uh, I think he just got away from what he was doing last season that uh, helped him have success, helped him get that two-year contract extension. And uh, if he clears and goes down to the Calgary Wranglers, I think it would be a good opportunity for him to find his game again, to play on a more regular basis, to play more minutes, and then uh, hopefully to, to work his way back to the Calgary Flames. But, uh, boy, I, I definitely didn't expect uh, him to struggle as much as he has this season. Yeah, I don't think it's 
a lack of effort that's plagued him, but a lack of execution and a lack of fulfilling his role. And Wilsey did a good job of laying out the uh, details that the fourth line needs to play with. And uh, to be perfectly honest, I didn't see this coming. What are we four months into the season? Because Walker Dewar in his auditions last season just looked so good. He had seven goals in 27 games. I mean, that's one every four games. That's a 21 goal pace over an 82 game schedule. And yeah, you can pencil in some regression because he had a 14.9 shooting percentage but I didn't expect it to regress to the point of one goal in 19 games and averaging just a tick over seven minutes of ice time per game. He was one of those players that I thought was probably going to be a set and forget fourth line right winger. And maybe he could play a little bit higher up your depth chart. If he continued to finish the way that he did in 2022, 23. And now we're at the point where, you know, he's on waivers and there's questions about whether or not he'll be picked up or not. I just, this isn't something I had on the old bingo card back in September when uh, he was competing for a roster spot. And it was, again, it was one of those situations where, oh yeah, you can pretty much assume that he's going to be an anchor on that fourth line. He's yeah. going to, he's going to hold down that right spot on the fourth line. It's uh and, and yeah, like I, I went like I loved that signing when they um, when they signed him to the to the two year extension and and I thought he had earned that uh, the the one way and he had earned the opportunity and even if he wasn't going to be on that twenty goal pace that Vix you talked about I I still still thought he was an everyday NHLer like everything you saw from him last season screamed everyday NHLer he. Four checked hard. Yep. He played with speed. Yep. Um, he caused turnovers. He gave a fourth line an identity. That's 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 what you asked Ryan Huska, as you mentioned yesterday. We played that clip earlier, Wilsey, from that question you asked him about the identity, and we were talking about how this fourth line needs an identity, and that's why we were going through some of the different forwards that that maybe the Flames could recall if they wanted to go down that road because it needs a different identity. And, and I thought Walker Dewar was was a guy who could provide that and. Mm-hmm. Early on, when he was a regular, that wasn't happening. And by the way, I really liked his training camp, too, guys. I thought he had a great camp, great preseason. And then, yeah, didn't carry over to the start of the regular season. Then turned into more of a bubble lineup guy and was in and out. And when he got in, you didn't see those same things again. And it's turned into this spot where, you know, yeah, the Flames are rolling in terms of their wins. They've won four in a row, but... As, as an organization, as a coaching staff, you're not resting on your laurels. The The playoff race is too tight, and you just got to keep on finding ways to get better. And, Wilsey, as you've mentioned on a few post-game shows, right now that fourth line is, is one of the spots that you look at and say that's holding the team back a little bit because it's not going out there and winning its shifts. Whereas the Kadri line and the Backland line, and even more recently now the Lindholm line is going out and more often than not winning their head to head shifts. But then the fourth line's kind of just there and you need to see if you can change that. And so maybe inserting some different names is the way to go about that. And you can't do that unless somebody goes on waivers. Yeah, and more internal competition is coming, guys. And that's good news for the Flames. That's bad news for the guys who have struggled in fourth-line roles. So bad news for Adam Ruzitska. Bad news for Walker Dewar. Bad news potentially for Dylan Dubé. And I would say, and I almost hate to say this because he was so effective and so consistent earlier in the season, I would say A.J. Greer's game has even fallen off of late. So... They need more from their fourth line. I believe that, you know, all the guys we've talked about are capable of giving them more. But Kevin Rooney and Jacob Peltier are soon going to be knocking on the door. We know Peltier is going to play. As soon as he's ready to come back to the NHL and contribute, he's in. So who's coming out? And I also wonder about Rooney. I, I mean, I had Rooney penciled in as the team's fourth line centerman to start the season. And then he suffers that shoulder injury and doesn't get to play in a regular season game and, and proves that uh, he, he belongs in that spot. But, you know, there's been a bit of a revolving door at fourth line center, uh, mainly between Adam Ruzitska and Dylan Dubé. And neither guy has been able to grab that spot and play consistently. So why not give Kevin Rooney, a, a guy who's got some size and got some speed and plays with some edge an opportunity in that spot. And again, if, Fourth line guys don't score goals and produce points. That's okay. As long as they're doing other things to help the team win. And for me, that's playing just a simple north-south mm-hmm. game. Get in there on the forecheck. Bang and crash. Punish the other team's defensemen. Spend time in the offensive zone. And, and 
if you do that, quite often you're going to put your team in a position where you force the other team to make a mistake or to ice the puck or you hem them in and you can change on the fly and one of your top three lines can go in there and do some damage offensively. So, you know, the Flames, they have some different options right now at the AHL level. They've got some other options that uh, are probably going to be back at the NHL level soon and Rooney and Pelche. So uh, these guys are on alert. And uh, if Walker Dewar wasn't, and, and for me, one of the disappointing things about how his season has gone, guys, the Flames have given him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity of being a healthy scratch and giving him a chance to come back in and, and stay in. And he hasn't been able to take advantage of those opportunities. So this is a chance for him, uh, if he clears waivers, to go down, find his game again, and then hopefully come back up. We saw last season he could be a very effective player in that fourth-line role. So I hope he finds that uh, part of his game again. Yeah, the fact of the matter is, is he's been passed on the depth chart by the guys like Connor Zary, Martin Pospisil, and it's forced him out of the lineup. You mentioned Kevin Rooney and Jacob Peltier. They're not ready yet, but when they come back, Peltier for sure, Rooney potentially isn't going to factor in as well. And it's just, it's an everyday league. And if you're not contributing something positive to your team, every single time you step on the ice, you're not getting the results. You're not going to get the opportunity and somebody else is. And we're at the point where we're starting to see that. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, you're probably still looking at post all-star ish for guys like Pelche and Rooney. It feels like they're still week to week recovering. Haven't even got into American league games yet, but maybe it happens quicker than that. If they can get in on this road trip, but I know, I know specifically on the Pelche front, they're really going to go slow with that one because they want him to come back in and be in the best possible spot to make an impact. But you're right, there's just more potential internal competition down the road for this group. It's our, uh, it's our Daily Flames roundtable. Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg on a Wednesday. Gents, uh, prior to the game against Arizona on Tuesday, asked on the roundtable, you know, what's the thing that gives you the most confidence the Flames will stay in this playoff fight? Uh, so here we are a day later after a 3-2 overtime win where the Flames uh, pulled one out of the fire against the Coyotes for two points. What, uh, for you gents, what's thing one thing that could prevent Calgary from staying in the Western Conference race? Where's What's what's one thing that, you know, you really feel like is going to have to um, change or improve or just one thing, period, that, that could be a real hurdle for them to stay in this wild card mix? Well, one thing I think they're going to have to get better at is scoring on the power play. I do think the power plays looked better. Uh, it's done a better job passing the eye test of late. And as I said on the broadcast on Tuesday night, sometimes it's not about how many power play goals you score. It's about when you score power play goals. And, you know, they've scored some big ones. Uh, so including one in overtime in that uh, thrilling come from behind victory over the Coyotes on Tuesday night. So. Uh, the power plays look better. I still think it has to be more productive for them moving forward. It's tough to be a playoff team when you've got a bottom three or bottom five power play. So, you know, even if they could get into uh, the middle of the pack in the NHL as far as power play percentage in the back half of the season, I think that would uh, certainly improve their chances to get uh, into a playoff spot. But for me, it's it's they can't go back to the two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, two steps back. They have to continue to string wins together. They're not going to win every game between now and the end of the season. We know that. But uh, the, the role they're on right now uh, is the type of role that they've been trying to get on all season long. They had three three-game win streaks before they were finally able to stretch one to four. And they did that with that overtime victory over the Coyotes on Tuesday. And, and that was another hurdle that the team was able to jump over. It's just too bad it took them uh, more than half the regular season to do that. But not too little, not too late, at least not yet. So they're right back in the fight for a playoff spot. Uh, this little streak they're on, winning four in a row and going, what are they, seven and two in nine games since New Year's Eve. That's put them back, not in a good spot, but in a much better spot than the one that they were in. So they have to continue to play a consistent brand of hockey, which I think they've done a really good job of especially since the start of December, and they have to keep finding ways to get wins. Uh, on Tuesday night, the first 48 were not good, let's be honest. But this is a team that with now 11 come-from-behind wins this season has built belief that whether they're ahead or even or behind in a hockey game, that if they play the right way, which they did in the final 
12 minutes of regulation time and, and then an overtime last night, then they can win hockey games. They've got enough talent to do it. So uh, they've just got to continue to play a consistent brand of hockey and consistently get results, which uh, they've done since uh, the end of 2023. I'm going to take the easy way out and just say Jacob Markstrom's health and or level of play, because even I'm going to point to UC Saros last season for the Nashville Predators and see way too easy to equate the two with the potential of what's going on with the Calgary Flames as they lead up to the trade deadline, because Nashville sold the farm. They sold off three, four, five impact players and still managed to stay in the fight right to the end with the Winnipeg Jets because UC Soros had a 924 save percentage and a 247 goals against. That save percentage, by the way, second in the NHL amongst goalies who played 13, 13 or more games from March 1st onward. And we've seen a resurgence from Jacob Markstrom and he has the ability and he's shown the ability to carry the Calgary Flames in a similar manner that Soros did post-trade deadline last season. So that's kind of an empty netter. No kidding, Aaron. You need good goaltending to stay competitive and stay in the fight for the for the playoff chase. But that's the one I'm going to go with. The second one, I guess, to a lesser extent. And we saw the Predators survive this to a degree after trading the likes of Niederreiter, um, yeah. Janot, Granlund, um, Eckholm, so on and so forth, is... The, just the overall depth of the organization, because if you sacrifice two or three of these pending unrestricted free agents, mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot harder to stay competitive. At the same time, you'll have a lot of youthful exuberance coming up to fill those roles. But the two probably easy or soft answers from my perspective perspective are Markstrom and the overall depth of the team. It's good perspective you've got. That is that perspective <laughs> and spectrum together. Hey, as, as the king of accidentally combining words, I can't chirp. I'm just... Perspective and spectrum. I you like know what? a perspective. I'm glad you pointed out because I didn't um, even notice the uh, the uh, the. I, I guess there's there's two for me, and you've both touched on them. You know, the on ice one, the one that I think is is going to be their biggest hurdle to clear. The fourth line is one of them, but I think they're taking some steps and going to actively address that here. The, the, it is the power play, like on the ice. The, and, and I thought that power play had some moments against Arizona. They had five opportunities, but they were 0 for 4, and that almost cost them a game. Um, but then it scored the the goal with less than 20 seconds to go in overtime, and so they finally were able to convert on the, the Sharon Govich shot. And it does feel like from October, November, when it was really rough to where we are right now, it does feel like the power play has improved, not drastically, not to the point where they get a penalty called and, and they go to the power play and you say, watch out, they're going to score. Like I, They're still not there, but with the way Sharon Govich is shooting it, with Huberto getting moved back onto PP1 because his game has definitely taken a step, you know, you feel with, with Zeri being able to add some creativity to it, you know, you do feel like it is an improved power play from where it is, uh, or where it was rather, but that is still the number one on ice thing that, I think could hold them back and be one of their undoings if they don't really figure it out. And then, yeah, if, if they do end up trading away multiple guys and, and don't get big time right now returns for it, that does have the op- opportunity of making it more difficult for them. Now, you know, Wilsey, you and, even, you and I even talked about this off the air. It feels like, you know, for, for you even, it feels like maybe doing that and staying competitive isn't as, as crazy as maybe when we talked about it earlier this season, hey? No, I mean, it really depends on who they trade and what they get back. Uh, I mean, if you trade Elias Lindholm, which is looking more likely than not at this point, I wouldn't say it's uh, a done deal, but uh, I would be a little bit surprised if he was here after March 8th. Uh, could you move Yegor Sharangovich to center? If so, could you slide Jacob Pelche in on the right side of that line? I mean... It really depends. Who do you get back for him if you trade him? Do you get a, an NHL-ready player who can play in your top nine, or do you just get futures? So it's not as far out of the realm of possibilities as I thought it was early in the season when you know Elias Lindholm was one of the elite 200-foot centermen in this league. And I still think that on some nights he's been that guy and, and can be that guy moving forward. And that line, ever since they put Jonathan Huberto back with Elias Lindholm, and Yegor Sharangovich, that group has been a lot better and has helped this team win a lot of hockey games. So we'll have to wait and see what happens here. But the, the other thing for me, fellas, is that your best players have to continue to be your best players. So last night, the Flames were without two of their best players. 
in Jacob Markstrom, who has been one of the best goaltenders in the NHL since the start of December. Just look at his numbers. And Jonathan Huberto, who, after snapping that 12-game pointless streak, has got eight points in eight games. He's back to being a, a point-a-game guy, and I know it's a fairly small sample size, but you know that's who he's been for most of his career. So those two guys uh, are playing at, at a really high level right now. Andrew Majapani looks a lot more like the 35-goal guy that we saw a couple of seasons ago than uh, a guy who didn't score in nine games not all that long ago. And then you look at who scored their goals last night. Blake Coleman has been arguably their best player this season. Nazem Kadri, I think he's had a fantastic season. As a matter of fact, if you look at what he's on pace for, he's on pace to have the second best season of his NHL career. That's how good he's been. And Yegor Sharangovich, who's been one of their best players since about the start of November. So their best players have been pretty consistently their best players of late. If that continues, I still think this is a, a deep team, a balanced team, one that can come at you with certainly three lines right now and two or three pairings and two or three goaltenders. And that's how the Flames were built to win. They weren't built to win on the back of one or two guys. And right now, to me, for the most part, they're playing to their identity and playing the way they have to play to get back in the playoff race. And to their credit, guys, not that long ago, they were seven points out and looked dead in the water. Now they're two out. The games played are starting to even out a little bit. So this team's right back in the thick of things, and, and I give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah, it's why, and it's why I'm even a little bit more confident that maybe they could, if if they do trade away two guys and and two three guys, whatever the case may be, maybe it's you know maybe it's Vladar, Tanev, and Lindholm get moved out. Doesn't mean that they fall out of this playoff mix. Doesn't mean that they just all of a sudden become uh, a much less competitive team. I think with what we've seen from their young players, with some of the other emergences, strictly Sharon Govich, maybe you add another roster player in there. Um, yeah, I, I think they could absolutely stay competitive in this thing. Um, thank you, Wilsey. See you on a game day. Um, the Maple Leafs. I, I don't know if there'll be any storylines for Thursday, but Maple Leafs are in Holy. town. So we'll, uh, we'll try to manufacture some, okay? What a week. I mean, uh, you got uh, Canadian Armed Forces Appreciation Night on Tuesday. I know the Coyotes on a Tuesday night are not a big draw, but it turned into a great hockey game and a big win. And now you've got the Maple Leafs and the Oilers coming to town this week. Huge week at Scotiabank Saddledome, and I can't wait. Thank you, Wellsy. Thanks, guys. It's Derek Wells. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That wraps us up on our Daily Flames Roundtable and wraps us up this hour. Thanks to Shan and Cam, our producers this hour. And the Daily Flames Roundtable is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Mercedes invented airbags and automatic braking systems. Makes sense. They came up with the unparalleled EQ lineup. 0% lease rate on select 2023 models. See in-store for more details.